Our Bible reading today is taken from Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through to 10. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through to 10. Let's hear the word of God. reading, of course, from the authorized version, the most faithful and reliable translation of the Holy Scriptures, a book divinely inspired, a book divinely preserved by the hand of our God. Colossians chapter 3, we'll read from verse 1, follow the reading, those online, the words will come up on the screen. If ye then, being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupience, and covetousness which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him. Now this morning, as we continue with our series of expository sermons in the book of Colossians, my text today is taken from Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. The first part of the verse reads, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath. I will pause there. My theme today, here's the truth that I want to set before you. God's analysis of and answer to the problem of anger. Let me put it very simply for the young people. How to deal with the problem of anger. That's really the theme today. Let's remember the context. The Apostle Paul commenced chapter 3 with the glorious theme of our new and risen life in Christ. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. For Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Let's ask why. Listen to Paul's command. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. You and I, when Christ died on the cross, died in Christ. We died with Christ. We, we died to sin, and our life is now hid with Christ in God. And in light of that wonderful truth, we have the amazing promise that when Christ, who is our life, shall appear then we also shall appear with him in glory. Then the Apostle Paul jumps to Colossians 3 and 5. Here's the steamy subject of sensual immorality and the subject of covetousness, which is idolatry. And remember, we are to mortify, therefore. 
That word therefore means in light of. Takes us back to the first four verses. The fact that we're alive in Christ. The fact that we have new life in him. We're not to live in sin. We're not to live like you used to live in sin. No, we're to put sin to death. Mortify means to kill off, to put to death. Now, we've already dealt with Colossians 3 and 5. We've dealt with the subject of the wrath of God. We dealt with the subject last week of exposing covetousness. Now we come to chapter 3, verse 8. And Paul changes the metaphor from mortification. And he adds, Now, but now ye also put off all these. You've got to think of putting off like putting off dirty clothes. And he's saying to this small town church and its people, don't be wearing dirty clothes in the house. Don't be wearing dirty clothes outside the house. Put them off. And what does he mention first? The dirty clothes of anger and wrath. But now ye also put off all these, anger and wrath. Hence this title subject today. How to deal with the problem of anger. Now, anger is a very difficult thing to analyze. It's a very difficult thing to manage. A very difficult thing to put off from one's life. But we're going to try this morning, with the help of God and the Lord's good grace, to understand and try to deal with the problem of anger. Now, here's the first thought. Recognize the reality of anger. You see, the first step to dealing with the problem of anger is to recognize anger for what it is. Anger is a sin problem. You see, the chances are that almost every one of us here this morning and those who are listening online was angry at least one time from last Lord's Day. I wonder if you've been ever angry with another driver. I was driving to Newton Arge yesterday morning and there was a slow driver in front of me on the Cumber Road from the Free State with a Free State registration plate. And I'll tell you, I was getting irritable because I wanted to be in time for a, a, a funeral. This person was going so slow, it, it was a snail's pace and it was difficult to get past. You can be angry with another driver for going too fast and behaving carelessly and recklessly. You can be angry with the children for not tidying their room and putting away their toys. You can be angry at work with another individual, maybe your boss. You can be angry with your husband, wives. Husbands can be angry with their wives in the home. You see, some husbands and wives live with daily anger. They live with cross words and, and hurt feelings. What about anger between parents and children. In many homes, even in Christian homes, there's the constant outburst of anger. There's raised voices. There's doors that slam. There's loud thumping music that would deafen you and waken the dead. There's abusive speech. I wonder if you're angry over something that has been done to you in the past. Somebody has wronged you. Maybe you're angry because your life you just feel sucks and you want to feel miserable and, and have a, a pity party. Maybe you're angry because somebody has done something to you at the present 
And your anger bubbles away at the service. And the minute you see that person, you feel angry. And the minute you think of that person, that anger bubbles to the surface. And you, you go through life seething with anger toward that individual. See, some people are angry because they get out of the wrong side of the bed in the morning. See, some people are not morning people. They need the daily fix of coffee. They need to jump in the shower and, and, and feel it, the pumping of the cold or the hot water. Um, some people are angry because they're not night owls. Night owls are somebody who, like me, stays up to the little hours of the morning and burns the lights. Some people need to go to bed at nine o'clock. And if they don't get enough sleep, they get angry and they get irritable and it, it causes rise. Some people are angry because they don't get their way. Now, if you're thinking this morning, and I give you all these thoughts, who me? I don't get angry. I'm a born-again Christian. I'm the pastor of the church. I'm an elder. I'm a deacon. I don't get angry. Now, listen to me carefully. Those of us who say, I don't get angry, don't know our true selves. They don't see sin for what it is. They don't believe or understand that they've got a real serious problem in their heart. You see, let me state this clearly. I, I believe that every one of us, myself included, and I'm the first front on the line, need to come before God and say, Lord, I too struggle with anger. I too struggle with anger issues. I've got a beautiful book in my porta cabin there called The Christian Counselor's Manual, uh, written by a lovely author called J.E. Adams. And he states in that book, page 359, anger is a problem for every Christian. And then he goes on to say later on that sinful anger is probably involved in 90% of all counseling problems. See, we must recognize anger for what it is. Anger is a big sin problem. It's a settled indignation in our heart and mind. It can be a slow burner bubbling underneath the surface, almost like a pot in the boil, but eventually when it comes to the boil, it, 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 uh, it explodes up. Um, anger from that slow burn can, can explode and erupt almost like a smoking volcano. You see, anger, and there's the reality of it, it's an evil, sinful heart problem. It's a bad heart problem. In the physical world, doctors believe that anger can harm the heart. Anger's as bad as smoking, they tell you. Taking drugs. Anger's as bad as high blood pressure or, or, or drinking alcohol. The number one predictor of heart disease even more than cholesterol, is mismanaged anger. Because anger can cause stress, and when you're under stress, then it can cause a, a heart attack. And here's this text, and it exposes the real problem of anger. There's a sin called anger, and it's lurking in our hearts. Now, if we're honest, and we must be before God, then we must all agree and accept that we have a real 
problem with anger, either in a slow burn or in a sudden eruption on certain occasions, giving a set of circumstances and situation for it to arise. Now, how do we deal with this problem? You see, Paul's answer, if you look at the text, but now ye also put off all these. Put off all these. So here's Paul's answer to the problem. Put off anger. You see, he's liking anger to uh, a set of old dirty clothes. And it's as if Paul is saying, this is how I read it. So you're angry at something or someone? You're full of wrath? I want you to put it off. I want you to set it to the one side. I want you to, to stop it. And you see, whenever somebody tells you to put it off or to stop it, you're thinking, but was when I was a child, my parents abused me and, and now I'm angry at them. Put it off. But my wife nags at me constantly until I lose my temper and, and explode and I want to throttle her. Put it off. But my husband's a workaholic. You've no idea. 24-7. He eats, sleeps, and works. And I do all the housework. I, I look after the children. I, I, I do everything. And I'm so angry at him. And with him all the time. I'm seething. Someday, you know what? I'm going to boil over. Put it off. But the teenagers, they don't do what I say. They don't listen to me, pastor. And I have to yell at them. And I have to get them to listen and I have to stamp my feet and, and shout for them to me. Put it off. But at work, the boss treats me like dirt. I'm treated unfair. Do you know I've been overlooked for promotion? Not just once, but a number of times. And I'm so angry at him. I would love to throw something at him. I'm upset. Put it off. But, but you have no idea what goes on in my house. My house is like a war zone at times. And I'm so angry. Put it off. Notice this. But now ye also put off all these. Now, I want you to stop and think. He's not suggesting or saying that it's going to take years of stable therapy to, to work through your anger issues. He's not saying, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll set up an anger management class and come on a course for so many weeks or months. He doesn't suggest, well, I'll tell you what, leave your house and go and live in a monastery or, or leave your house and go and live in a nunnery. He's not even saying, quit your job and go and do something else. His simple solution is, put it off. Put off all these. I want you to understand that. You see, we complicate things. Here's these Colossians. They're saved. Their lives are changed. They've been transformed. They've, they've been saved from pagan backgrounds. They've been involved in some very bad sins. Colossians 3 and 5. Sensual immorality. And I'm not going to go into them again. In case some of you get upset. And they had no Bible study groups. They had no Christian books like the uh, counselor's Christian manual. They, they had no um, self-help magazines on, on an anger course. And Paul's advice is simple. Here's the solution to anger. Put it off. Not just anger, but wrath. 
malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another. Why? Seeing you put off the old man with his deeds and to put on the new man. We'll eventually deal with that. But he's saying, put off. Put it off. And that's the first step. Recognize the real problem with anger. The second step is this. Recognize the root of anger. Not just the reality of anger, but the root of anger. You see, it has to do with our heart. Let me ask this question. And I've asked myself this week, what is your anger like? What's mine like? We'll ask another question. Why are we angry? What are we angry at? Is it righteous anger? Or is it reckless anger? Is it sinless anger? Or sinful anger? Is it a controlled anger by the Spirit of God? Or is it a carnal anger that's rooted in self and sin? You see, when I look at this, Colossians chapter 3, verse 6, I read, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And then I read, But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath. And the two words are the same in the Greek New Testament. Now, if the God of the Bible is a God of wrath, and God gets angry as we know he does, because God is angry with the wicked every day, then why do we need to put off anger and wrath? Why do we need to put it to the one side? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4 for a moment. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. Underline these words. Be ye angry, and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, do you see that? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Be ye angry, and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That's a quotation from Psalm 4, verse 4. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, we read these words. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So on the one hand, we've got this word, be ye angry, coupled with this phrase, and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. And then a few verses later, Paul is telling us, let all bitterness and wrath and anger be put away. I say I could mention many other scriptures. But when you think of the root of anger, you've got to think of what it is and you've got to think of why you're angry. And you've got to ask, is my anger sinless or sinful? Is my anger righteous anger or reckless anger? Is my anger controlled by the Spirit or is it carnal, connected to sin and selfishness? You see, God has sinless anger. When it says God is angry with the wicked every day, God has sinless anger. His anger is righteous and holy against sin. Do you remember God's wrath is his holy, settled opposition to sin? The Lord Jesus was angry against sin. 
And yet he was without sin. When he encountered unbelief, and when he encountered hypocrisy, and when he encountered sin, he, he, he was angry at it. He, he, he sought to expose it. Over there in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 3, and in the verse 5, uh, sorry, uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 5, yes, we, we read um, these words, uh, Mark 3, verse 5. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. That's the healing of the withered hand of the man in the synagogue. But notice the word. He was angry at the Pharisees, their unbelief, their hypocrisy, their, their opposition to him and the word of God. Wasn't he angry when he cleansed the temple? Wasn't he angry at the Pharisees? Mark chapter 21, verses 12 and 13. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, uh, verses um, 13 to 33. Woe unto you, Pharisees. You see, and if we are his, here's the point. If we are like him, then we will be angry. We'll be full of hatred towards all sin. When the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not, it means be ye angry at sin and nothing else. Be ye angry at sin and nothing else. That's righteous anger. That's sinless anger. That's controlled anger. I wonder when you hear of and learn of the murder of babies in the womb due to the evil of abortion, are you angry at that sin? I wonder when you hear of murderers being given a get-out-of-jail-free card, Terrorists in Northern Ireland who committed heinous crimes were let out of jail free by Tony Blair at the Good Friday Agreement. And it was wrong. It was a big sin in the eyes of God. You see, whenever you're angry, you've got to ask, why am I angry? What am I angry at? Are you angry at sin? Because you, you can't tolerate sin? See, here's the question I've asked myself. Is my anger, anger at sin and nothing else? And you and I must recognize the second step. Not only face the reality of anger, but, but, but face the second step to honestly analyze this anger. The root principle of why you're angry is that anger at sin and nothing else. Remember in Genesis chapter 4, verse 6, God asked Cain the question, why are you so angry? It wasn't to gain information. It was to bring Cain face to face with his sin. Remember, God rejected Cain's sacrifice. Cain was jealous of his brother whose sacrifice God had accepted. And God was exhorting Cain, think about your life right now, Cain. Sin is crouching at the door. You have got anger in your heart. And that anger is ready to devour you. And that anger will lead to the murder of your brother. And Cain ignored God's counsel. And Cain went out and murdered his brother. That heart was seething with anger. He had murder in the heart. It was already there before he committed it. 
You think of Jonah. He was a prophet in Nineveh. He was angry with God because he wanted God to judge the Ninevites. I hope they get it. Burn them all to death. Send them all to hell, Lord. They deserve it. They're big sinners. And instead, what did God do? He brought about a revival. Through Jonah's preaching, yet 40 days, none of us shall be destroyed. What should we do, Jonah? Repent and get right with God. But he didn't want them. God forgave the people upon their repentance. And Jonah was angry with God. Even when he sat under the gourd and, and, and had shade from the sun and then it weathered the next morning, remember. He had no good reason to be angry. But he was angry. And God asked him, why are you angry? Two or three times, Jonah 4 and 4 and 9. Let me ask you this. Are you angry because of sin? Is your anger directed only at sin? You see, I, I, I stress that first. This. It's so easy to justify sinful anger by claiming, oh, I, I wasn't sinning. My anger's righteous. My anger was sinless. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. But our righteous anger is so often tainted by our sinfulness, by our selfishness. When we analyze the root problem that it comes from our heart, it's usually always rooted in selfishness. But I wanted my way, and I didn't get my way, and I'm upset. I'm angry. What is the root principle of your anger and mine? Is it rooted in selfishness? If it is, then it's sinful. And that anger can give place to the devil and a toe space to the devil. So, so that's really the second point. The third point is this, very quickly. Recognize the reach of anger. You see, anger in the heart will eventually come out. It'll come out through mouth gate. It will come out in your life and your behavior. If it's true that sound doctrine produces and results in right living, then the opposite is true. Erroneous doctrine or teaching, false doctrine, will lead to false behavior. And when we think of the reach of anger, it reaches from our lives and our hearts out through mouth gate, and it's manifest in the home. Relationship, husband and wife, parents and children, children and parents. It reaches into the family circle beyond the home. It reaches into the workplace. Employee-employer relationship. Employee-employee relationships. It reaches into the church. Because I've known people in church to be seething in anger at other believers for something they've said or something they've done. I'm not speaking to her. I'm not looking at her. Don't let me see her. What about society? Is there not an anger problem today in society? Where you want to take vengeance on somebody else? Hold my coat and let me at him. You see, there, there's a, a thousand and one ways this morning. And maybe tens of thousands of ways that anger is reaching. Private sins are not private. Do you know that our sins of consequences? <coughs> Sin affects so many other people. 
the sin of anger in the heart of Cain, the spirit of envy in the heart of Cain, opened the door to manifestations of greater sin in the first family, in the first home. Over there in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter uh, 12, and in the um, verse 18, we read these words. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. When somebody speaks to you, it's like they're cutting you in pieces with a sharp-edged sword. Sin, even the sin of anger, has far-reaching consequences. Now, one final thing. We're doing well. Not only recognize the reality of anger and recognize the root of anger, but recognize the reach of anger Fourthly and lastly, recognize the remedy for anger. Let me tell you something. You can control your anger. Your sinful carnal anger can be controlled. How? Well, if you're a new creature in Christ, remember Christ died to take away the penalty of sin. He died to break the power of sin in your life. And when, when, when we trust Christ as Lord and Savior, he gives us the power to overcome sin through the indwelling spirit. Because if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he have none of his. And God's Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life. And through the power of the indwelling spirit, you're able to put off these sins. You're able to put on other things. So you put off the old dirty clothes of anger and wrath, and you put on new clothes of Something else that we'll look at that. You see, whenever he said, but now you also put off all these, putting off implies that we can. It implies that we have the power, the ability. It implies that we can overcome, that we can control it. And even though people who tell me, but I've got a very short fuse, Pastor. There, there's, a, there's a limit to my patience, you know. And I have been victimized by this person in their speech and in their behavior toward me. And I have a right to be angered. You're not living in my life. You're not living in my home. The problem is you need to recognize that you can control your anger in your heart, in the home, in the workplace, in the church, in society. And I've got two proofs. Let me just give them to you. God never commands us to do something we can't do by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And you can pray when you feel angry. Lord, give me the grace and the help and the strength to overcome. You see, if you think of the fruit of the Spirit, you're indwelt by the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit that grows in your heart and life over there in the book of Galatians, listen to this in Galatians chapter 5 and in the verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Nine things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. See that word temperance? You know what it means? Self-control. And that has to include the sin of anger. You see, God's anger is controlled anger. 
And if we confess Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and we confess we've got this real problem of anger in the heart, and we want to walk and live in the Spirit, and we want to walk and live in light of the Word of God, then this fruit, this growth process can take place as we recognize that sin and yield to the Holy Spirit and rely on God's strength. I'll tell you something else. Here's another reason why we can control our anger from our own experience. We can turn it off like that. I, I can't click my fingers very well, but we can turn it off. Let me give you an illustration. I'll, I dare not mention names. My phone rings one day, and I can hear this man and wife, and the phone's here, and they're yelling at each other. They're cursing and swearing. The man's saying, I'm going to beat you. I switch the phone off. And immediately I ring the man's phone. And the minute the phone rings, Hello? Oh, is that you, Pastor? How are you getting on? How's things going? We're praying for you this morning. I write. Then I tell the man. And then he starts shouting at the wife because the phone was on. You see, you can control it. You can turn it on and you can turn it off. You see, that individual was acting as a hypocrite, but he could control his anger because he didn't want me to know that he was angry with his wife and had lost it by cursing and swearing and threatening to beat her up. Non-Christians can control their anger. You think about work, and here's a situation where, where your blood's boiling, and the boss has made you really mad, and you're thinking, if I say something to the boss, what's going to happen? I'm going to get the sack. I lose my job. I'll get my P45. I'll be down the road as fast as my legs can carry me. And even though you're seething inside and ready to smash something, you keep a lid on it till you're home and you're in a place where you can lash out on your own. That's the controlling of anger. Anger, remember, is a deep-seated animosity that grows into hatred and wrath. And wrath is really the outburst of that anger that's in the heart. You can control your anger. Let me tell you something else to do with anger very quickly. You need to confess your sinful anger. You need to submit to God's sovereign hand and situation in your life. I'm sure if I asked my wife, am I an angry man? I would like to think she would say no. But there are times when I've been angry. I, I confess that. And I'll tell you something else. I have no right to be angry. Unless I'm angry at sin and nothing else, I have no right to be angry. And I'll tell you, there's Christian counselors in this country telling people you have a right to be angry. The way you've been treated, the things have been said to you. They have told people, go and tell God off. Tell God how mad you are at him. He's made a mistake. God is wrong to treat you in this way. Blaming God, that's what Eve did. That's what Adam did. That's what the devil did. It's unbiblical, I'll tell you. It's, it's unworldly. It's the strategy of the evil one. It's wrong. Confess 
your faults one to another, the Bible says. The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me give you another little bit of advice as you recognize the remedy for sin, not only the fact that you can control it, and um, you need to confess that sin to God. You need to spend time daily meditating on God's mercy for you at the cross. Think of your new life in Christ. Think of the fact that you're in Christ. Here's another part of the remedy. Pray for those that you're angry with. Maybe if there's a quarrel in the home between husband and wife, children and parents, maybe, maybe the husband should say, let's stop this now. Let's just pray. Let's ask God for forgiveness. Let's ask God for help and grace and wisdom about this situation. And maybe that husband should pray, Lord, forgive me for being so angry at this situation. And start with himself. Pray for those you're angry with. I, I told that to a man who was angry with one of our ministers. He, he told me some things about one of our ministers. And I, I advised him before I left the home. I said, brother, you should get down on your knees right now and pray for God's blessing and that minister. And you should ask the Lord to undertake for you and to deal with this hatred in your heart for this man of God. Another part of the remedy is put it off. You'll not be able to do it by yourself. You must take radical, decisive action. The old dirty clothes must be cast to the one side. Why? Because we've died in Christ. We've died to sin. We've died to the old life. We've been raised up to a new life in Christ. Don't accept your anger as normal. Don't accept it at all. Put it off. Radically deal with it. And could I suggest in closing, memorize scriptures that deal with anger. Proverbs 12 and 18 have mentioned. There's many other scriptures. Proverbs mentions about 12 words to do with anger. I would encourage you to get a concordance. Look them up and, and, and study what the Bible has to say about this subject. Because all of this package put together is part of the remedy for dealing with our anger. Are you in Christ? Have you got new life in Christ? Are you saved? Are your life changed and transformed? I finish with this. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and old things have become new. Only in him. In him is the key. Are you in Christ today?